0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast.
1: Well, if you have your Bibles, you can look with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. We have our offering boxes in the back. You can always give there. You can go online and give. It's pretty simple. Thank you for honoring God in your giving it supporting all the ministry that happens in and through Grace Covenant. So thank you for that. But this morning, grab your sermon notes. We're continuing on in our Christmas series, talking about the miracles of Christmas and more than just the miracles. Obviously, what we're going to read about in Matthew 1, what we read about last week in and, and Luke 1, obviously, it's the supernatural of God being released and uh, we know how that Obviously, is an impact at our lives, bringing um, the opportunity of salvation. But, but what we've been talking about in this series is how God wants to bring the miraculous to your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to burst something in your life. Go ahead and tell them. Speak hope into them this morning. God wants to burst something in your life. Even as he birthed something in Mary's womb, so I believe God by his spirit wants to consistently, continually encounter us in a way that he is birthing the miraculous both in our lives and through our lives. And that's what we're talking about in this series. But let me begin this morning as we look to Joseph's story. Let me begin with a question. What do you do when life takes a quick left? Think about that. What do you do when life takes a quick life? How do you respond when your plans are suddenly interrupted by something you would have never expected? What do you do when your life is all about precision? Like when you you measure twice and cut once and you're asked to do something radical. That's where Joseph was at. The step-in father of Jesus. Before we look to his story, let me quickly tell you Two other stories, because I think God interrupts us. I think God at times encounters us in a way that he's inviting us into something that we don't always fully understand, and it's about what he wants to birth in us and birth through us. There's a gentleman by the name of Mark. Mark is with Jesus today. A couple years ago, he passed away, but Mark was a pastor of a thriving congregation in Boulder, Colorado. Church was growing um, man, m- new families coming, people getting saved, they were impacting the community, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mark was invited to be the president of a Bible college, interesting in that he had not been trained to lead an academic institution that had not been his preparation yet this this prompting of God was so clear in his life that he packed up his family. Uh, four kids, his wife, they moved from Colorado to Ohio, and he became the president of a struggling Bible college a number of years he he turned the Bible college around, bringing vibrancy for the school, eventually was a part of moving the campus from Ohio to Virginia, um, all because he was willing to embrace a god interruption, all because he was willing to step into something that was a bit unknown, yet confident of where God was inviting. And today, hundreds of men and women, myself, one of them, are pastoring churches across the United States. Because there was one man who was willing to embrace a God interruption. There's another story of a young man, actually right here in our community, a young businessman, who God interrupted his life, his business was thriving, um, and this was not a situation where he actually turned away from his business, laid it down. His business is still happening. But for this young man, he, uh, he embraced the interruption. He embraced the God invitation. He rearranged his life to respond to what he believed God was speaking to him concerning the issue of abortion. He started an organization, maybe you're familiar with the organization, it's called Love Life. And the mission, the mission of Love Life is to unite and mobilize the church to create a culture of love and life that will bring an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. Four years, four years after this young business leader was willing to to embrace the divine interruption, get this, 300 churches have been mobilized to prayer. Over 65,000 prayer walkers have have prayed and worshipped at abortion centers, and over 2,500 babies have been saved. Because one man was willing to embrace the quick left. One man was willing to embrace this, this God interruption. You know, God interruptions, as we think about it, are, are seldom convenient. They always seem to stretch us in, in some way. But, but as we're willing to embrace the interruption, it's there that God does his miraculous work. And that was certainly true for Joseph. As we come back to the Christmas story, we find Joseph, the step-in father of Jesus, in a similar situation. I mean, like, life was going good for Joseph. He had this carpenter business that was happening in this little town of Nazareth. He was engaged to a young woman who would soon be his wife. Now, we don't have a lot of details of this story, but we can assume that Joseph was kind of planning forward, getting a home ready, excited about building a family. Most likely... The news of this engagement, this betrothal had had spread through. I mean, you think about a little community, you know, kind of the word spreads. So this betrothal between Joseph and Mary most likely had spread throughout the town of Nazareth, wedding plans being made, and then all of a sudden, Joseph's life took a quick left. He was invited into the miracle of Christmas. But Joseph, like all of us, had a decision to make. Would he take the risk? There was some risk involved, as we're going to see in this story. Would he be a willing participant? Would, would he be willing to step out of the security of his life and be a part of something that analytically made no sense? Like two and two wasn't adding up to four. I and mean, even even if you're a carpenter, two and two always adds up to four, right? But this didn't make sense. All of this was a part of of the Christmas miracle. It happened to real people, normal people like us who were just processing through life. Then there came the opportunity to be a part of something miraculous. You know, as I said last week, the wonder of the Christmas miracle is that it occurred over, over 2,000 years ago, but it's still happening today for those who are willing and open and seeking. The Christmas miracle is something that happened in the past that's still having effect In the present. You know, oftentimes I think we get stuck on celebrating the event that happened in Bethlehem and we lose sight of the magnitude of what it's opened us to. We celebrate the birth of a baby, it's born there in a stable, laid in a manger, and we lose sight of the fact that that miracle has opened the possibility of you and I living every day. Miraculously, every day, supernaturally, because of the miracle that happened in Bethlehem, because of the baby that was conceived in the Virgin by the name of Mary, it was born Savior of the world. See, just as God birthed by his Holy Spirit this life in the Virgin's womb, so it's the same Holy Spirit that resides in you. The same Holy Spirit that wants to encounter you, get this, in your everyday, normal, mundane activities. It's there that God wants to meet you. It's there that God wants to birth his miraculous through you. You know, as we think of the miracle of Christmas, there's the miracle that God brought to us being the incarnation. There's the miracle that God births in us being the miracle of salvation. We get to trade death for life. Can I get an amen on that? That's what Christmas is all about. When Jesus came to bring rescue for mankind. So there's the miracle of the incarnation. There's the miracle of salvation. But don't miss this. There's also the miracle of the manifestation. And just as there was a manifestation that happened for a young Jewish man named Joseph and a young Jewish girl named Mary, so there's a manifestation, I believe, that God wants to consistently, continually bring in our lives. Again, on a daily basis the whole concept of us living naturally supernatural so as we look to joseph's story joseph had this opportunity to be a part of what god was doing but here's the critical factor he had to be a willing participant to be a part of the miracle of what god was doing he had to be a willing participant to make himself available and again, I think that's the critical question for us. For me, it's not a question of, did Jesus become flesh? I- I've settled that one. Did Jesus come to bring salvation? I've settled that one. For me, the question is not the question of incarnation. It's not the question of salvation. It is, though, the question of the manifestation. It's the question of, are you willing to be a participant? Are you willing to freshly Embrace that of the work of the Holy Spirit for your life in this season. See, that's the question. Our God is a God who has no limits, meaning He can He can do all things. He's not limited in, in any way. However, friend, here's the danger: you and I can become the limit. You and I can be the one who restricts because we're not willing to be a participant. And what God's doing in this time and in this season. As, as we look to Joseph's story, as he receives this angelic encounter bringing some revelation as to what's happening in Mary, uh, he's he's a willing participant. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning. But before we do, listen to the reading of Matthew's account of how Joseph was encountered by this angel.
0: The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife.
1: So here's Joseph, kind of just going about his normal life as a carpenter. I mean, he spent his days. In a wood shop, crafting and and building. He's planning forward for the marriage to his wife to be being Mary. Everything's looking great. There's this growing excitement. But then we
0: have a problem.
1: Mary's pregnant. And what Joseph knows up to this point in history, see you and I looking back, we have the privilege of being able to read about an immaculate conception, Mary conceiving by the Holy Spirit. But at this point, Joseph didn't have that information. So think about this. There's only one way someone becomes pregnant. Right? And Joseph knows he's not the man. He's not had sexual relations with Mary, and she's pregnant. So that could only mean one thing. She's been unfaithful. Right? There's someone else. He doesn't know who it is, but someone else. And, and like, how could he move, how could he move forward? How could he, how could he be married to a woman that he couldn't trust? And the scripture tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. And in the midst of this dilemma, he wanted to try to protect Mary as best he could, but he couldn't be married to her. So in his mind, he was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to try to protect her in the midst of doing what he, what he knew he had to do. Again, like he couldn't, he couldn't commit his life to a woman. He he couldn't trust. And as Joseph was considering his options as to how he should respond to the Christ at hand, he's encountered by an angel and he's actually invited into. Notice God didn't force his hand. This is important. God invited him into the Christmas miracle. The angel revealed that Mary had not been unfaithful. She was actually a part of this miracle God was working. She had conceived by the Holy Spirit and would give birth to the Son of God. And at this point, Joseph had a decision to make. Would he say yes or no? Would he obey God or, or disobey God? Would he step away from the miracle or would he step into the miracle? See, I, I think we all come to what I call hinge points. Hinge points. Hinge points in our lives where we have a decision to make. Are we going to step out in faith or are we going to step back to safety? Are we going to trust God and step into what he might be inviting us into? Or are we going to say, no, I think I'll just go my own way and do my own thing. I I think those are our hinge points in our lives. Will we be candidates that God can work through? And we know the rest of Joseph's story. Although this whole situation was hard to get his mind around, although it didn't make sense, he was willing to believe. He was willing to be a candidate that God could use to do His miraculous through. So, so who are who are candidates? That's what we're talking about in this series. What what qualities are God are God looking for? Is, is excuse me. What qualities is God looking for today? And individuals that he can do the miraculous through. Last week, we we looked at Mary's life and we identified three qualities that God works through normal people. Isn't that, isn't that good news? Like, you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to have like a lot of initials after your name. You don't have to have some big title. No, God works through, I mean, normal people. Mary was just like a normal Jewish girl. Secondly, we talked about how God works through humble people. He 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 manifests his power through humble people, people who are just living with a servant's attitude, a servant's mentality. The third quality we identified last week in Mary's life is God looks for people who are available. Individuals who are willing, who are simply willing to say, God, here I am. Use me. Mary's answer was yes. Yes, Lord. So if we look to Joseph, what else can we discover about the qualities in our lives that posture and position us to be candidates that he can birth his miracles through? Let me give you three more really quick this morning. Here's the benefit of coming to the second service in the morning. Last service, the sermon was way too long, so they told me to give you the smaller version. So I'm going to give you three really quick. First is this. The first quality I think we find in Joseph's life is God manifests his power through responsive people. And what I, from what I read in the Bible, what I discovered in my own life is that God, God doesn't force us to be a part of his miraculous work. It's not like God takes us by the arm and twists our arm until we cry, uncle. To be a part of his miraculous work. God doesn't force us. He invites us. He invites you. Just as he invited Joseph. And as God invites them, what? We have a decision to make, right? We can say yes or no. But but it brings us to, to a decision. We can by faith step into the opportunity or we can step away from the opportunity. And our response shapes the outcome. What I love about Joseph's story is that Joseph was willing to respond to the direction of the angel, even though he did not have all the details. I think the fact that Joseph was a male and Joseph was a carpenter, I think he would have liked some more details. I think he would have had a few questions like, how does this... Immaculate conception thing work. Like how did how did the Holy Spirit bring life in Mary's womb? I think that'd be a pretty good question. Or, or how about this? God, what do I tell all of the people in Nazareth when they start asking questions? How do I explain that? Or how about this question? How do I discipline the Son of God? I mean, think about that. I I think maybe maybe Joseph would have wanted a little more information, but what I love about this story is he was willing to respond even when he didn't have all the details. As God invited Joseph into the miracle of the birth of Jesus, he was a willing participant. He simply responded. There's another story recorded in Luke chapter 5. This is before Peter became a follower of Jesus. At this point, he was still a fisherman. And one day, Jesus was teaching along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. There was such a large crowd that Jesus asked if he could use one of the boats to turn it into a platform. And it happened to be Peter's boat. So Jesus teaches for a while. And then he says to Peter, Peter, why don't you go back out and drop the nets? And, And Peter's... Like, well, um, Jesus, uh, good teaching, but obviously you're not a fisherman. I mean, you fish at night, not during the day. In other words, the time's wrong. Not only that, Jesus, we, we fished all night and didn't catch anything. Like, whew, we're, we are dog tired. We've already cleaned the nest. We've already put them up. Jesus said, go back out and drop your nets. And I love Peter's response. In Luke chapter 5, verse 5, Peter says, But because you say so, because you say so, doesn't make sense. That's not the way you fish. But because you say so, we'll go let down the nets. And so they go back out, they drop the nets, and they catch so many fish, they can't even get them all in the boat. Listen, nobody in here got a fishing story like that. (laughs) Even if you lie and you can't tell a fishing story like that. They had so many fish, they couldn't get them in the boat. They had to call their partners. The miraculous catch happened because of Peter's response. He had a bias to action. It was his response that opened the way for the miracle that Jesus did. What do we discover from, from Peter's story in Luke 5, from Joseph's story? I believe if you want to be a candidate for God to birth a miraculous too, f- first is you, you got to be responsive. Because you say so, we'll go. Hey, here's a I think a second candidate um, and a second quality that positions us to be a candidate that God can flow his power through and it's courage. God unleashes his miracles through courageous people, people who are willing to embrace risk and step out in faith into the unknown. I mean, think about Joseph. He's engaged to a woman, she becomes pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. Man, we got a problem. There's some unknown here. Like what happened? How did it happen? When did it happen? They're in this state of betrothal. So let me just quickly just kind of give you a little definition of the marriage process in Jewish culture. There was three stages in the marriage process. First of all was the engagement. The engagement is when basically mom and dad said, your son's going to marry my daughter. I like that. I, I vote that we do that again. That mom and dad pick out like who their kids are going to marry. So it, it, that's the engagement. That's the first stage. The second stage was what's called as the betrothal. The betrothal would last about a year, and it was uh it was binding like a, a marriage covenant. Although at this time, the man and woman, Joseph and Mary, would have not fully come together enjoying all of the benefits of being husband and wife, if I can say it that way. The the state of betrothal was so binding, if someone was betrothed, the husband and wife were betrothed to each other and they decided to break it off, it would require a divorce. It was that binding. And then there's the third stage being marriage proper. Joseph and Mary have not come to marriage proper yet. They're in this state of betrothal. And Mary's pregnant. And Joseph has questions. There's all of this unknown. Now... They had angelic visitation that brought revelation as to what was happening. But think about how this played out in the little town of Nazareth. I don't know where you grew up, but I grew up in a little community. Listen, if I broke the speed limit, somebody had already called my mom before I got home. There's nothing that got away. The grapevine ran through the little community I grew up in called Crabtree, Arkansas. You couldn't get away with squat. I think it would have been about the same in the little town of Nazareth. So think about the grapevine. Think about the conversations. Think about what people might have been saying, the ridicule, the whispering. Mary's pregnant. They're in a state of betrothal. Was it Joseph? Was it someone else? Think about the gossip. Think about its all of that that Joseph was stepping into. I think it was his courage to step into the unknown that allowed him the privilege of being a part of the miracle of Christmas. And I believe today that God's still looking for courageous people. Because oftentimes to experience the miraculous, we have to step out of what we know and step into what we don't know. In other words, it requires faith. And the step into faith requires courage. There's another story recorded in the Gospels where the disciples are in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, stormy night. Jesus is not in the boat with them. They're caught in the storm. They're kind of battling the storm and they see this ghost-like figure walking toward them. They scream out. They think it's a ghost. They're frightened. And Jesus said, hey, it's me. Relax. Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter did something he'd never done before, something supernatural. He got out of the boat and started walking on water. He experienced the miraculous because he had the courage to get out of the boat. Listen, what we know is there were at least 11 other men who didn't experience the miraculous. They could talk about what they saw. They could could not talk about what they experienced. Because they chose the safety of the boat over the risk of getting out of the boat. My point being, I believe God looks for individuals who are courageous, who are willing to step into the invitation, even when they don't have all of the details. Listen, if you're the individual who says, I'm not going to move until God tells me everything that I need to know, and I know what the future looks like, if that's you, you're going to miss most of the miraculous. That God wants to do in your life. It takes courage to step into. So I think, I think courage positions us. It postures us that God can work as miraculous through our lives. Here's the final quality that postures and positions us to be candidates for the miraculous. And it's obedience. God flows his power. He unleashes his power through obedient people. Listen, it's really simple. As we're willing to walk in God's way, we get to experience God's work. Listen, I'm convinced we make it too complicated and too difficult. It, it really is this simple. As we're willing to walk in God's ways, we get to experience God's work. As we simply obey, we're positioned for God to work in our lives and through our lives. You know, what I love about Joseph's story is his simple obedience. God spoke through an angel, bringing direction, and Joseph obeyed. God spoke, and Joseph took action. Matthew 1.24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. There was this simple obedience that opened the way for God to use him in the miracle of Christmas and as a key influencer in the life of Jesus. But what I would want you to know this morning, that obedience was not just the key for Joseph. It's a critical component in most of the miracles that are recorded in the Bible. And I encourage you, listen, get into the Bible and do your own study. What you'll discover, most of the miracles in the Bible happen because someone was obedient. Someone responded to God's direction. Let me just give you a few examples. God said to Abraham, Abraham, leave your family and your homeland and go to some place that you're not, you, you, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I just want you to go. And Abraham obeyed and became the father of many nations. God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to be a deliverer of my people. Moses obeyed. He goes before Pharaoh in Egypt and says, Hey, let, let my people go. And Pharaoh, as you know, didn't want to didn't want to let the people go. And God reveals his power. I mean, there's, there's ten miracles of judgment that God brought against the Egyptians. Moses got to see that firsthand because of his obedience. I think of Joshua. As he's at the river Jordan, it's at flood stage. And God says to Joshua and the priest, take the Ark of the Covenant and step into the river. And as they obeyed, the river parted. I think of the story of Gideon. God says to Gideon, take your 300 men and go into battle against the Midianites, over 100,000 Midianites. Tell me that makes sense, 300, 100,000. But as Gideon obeyed, he experienced the supernatural of God fighting for them. As we look to the New Testament, we see, again, same pattern, same, same process. There was a little boy who had a, a lunch of, of five loaves and two fish that Jesus multiplied to feed 5,000. And the disciples experienced the multiplication as they dispensed the little boy's lunch. They, they saw it multiplied as, as, they, as they obeyed. There's a story of ten lepers who came to Jesus wanting to be healed from their leprosy. And Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And the scripture says, as they went on their way, they were healed. As they obeyed, as they went on their way, as they acted in faith. Another story in John chapter 9. Of a man who was blind, and this is kind of one of those grotesque little narratives in Scripture where I don't fully understand the theological implications of this, but Jesus spit in the mud, made a little mud ball, and rubbed it on the man's eyes, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when the man went and washed, his blind eyes were open as he obeyed. My point being this, folks, there's a consistent pattern in Scripture, and when there's a pattern in Scripture, we should stand attention We should take note of that. And the pattern is this. As we're willing to go God's way, we get to experience God's work. Could it be? Could it be in the church today that we're not experiencing the power of God? Because we want to go our own way and do our own thing. And we're saying, God, bless our own thing. Bless our own way. And God said, I'm not going to do it. As we're willing to embrace God's word and embrace God's way. And again, it's there that we experience God's word. What I love about Joseph, he was just simply obedient. Now in life, there's the the big decisions about obedience, right? I mean, like for Joseph, I would say this is like one of the big decisions. And I know in my own life, at the age of 55, I've had maybe four or five of those, what I would call critical moments of decision. So you do have those. But can I tell you, most of the time, it's the everyday obedience. It's the everyday responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's the everyday choosing to walk through this open door. It's the everyday saying, God, I'm going to take your word and, and to the best of my ability. I'm going to live it today. See, I think it's the everyday Obedience that opens our lives to the everyday encounter. Everyday obedience opens our eyes to the everyday supernatural encounter of God. And that of His work in our lives. So as we come to this Christmas season, obviously we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We celebrate the incarnation. But friends, don't miss this. The incarnation that happened... And a young Jewish girl in Nazareth that made way for the baby that was born in Bethlehem being Jesus, the Son of God. The incarnation is made way today for the manifestation. The the manifestation of that of God's work in your life. What the Holy Spirit would want to birth in you and through you. See, living in the miracle of Christmas, friends, it will not be a random act. I don't think it just happens. I think it comes to people like Joseph who are responsive, who are courageous and obedient. So may that be us. May that be us. May we be responsive as God invites us into an opportunity. May we be courageous and step out in faith, even if we don't have all the answers we would like. And may we be obedient, simply following God's way and God's word. And as we, bring, as we bring these three qualities together, responsive, courageous, and obedient, I believe we open our lives to God's possibilities. We open our lives on a daily basis to what the Holy Spirit would want not only to birth in us, but to birth through us. May we be a candidate postured in position for God's miraculous work. Amen? Lord, I thank you for this amazing season that we're in. For the miracle of the incarnation. For the miracle of salvation. And what that means for us. But God, I'm grateful that it doesn't stop there. There's also the miracle of the manifestation of what you want to birth through us. So, Lord, my prayer today for myself, for for all of my friends here, for those watching online. May we be willing candidates. May may we be like. May we be like Joseph. May we be responsive. May we be courageous. May we be obedient, God, so that you can birth your dynamic work through our lives. Lord, may we not limit you, but Lord, may we open our lives to your possibilities. Lord, I know there's not going to be another miracle like Joseph and Mary experience. I understand that's a one-time act of God bringing salvation for mankind. But God, what I do believe is every day, in a lot of different ways, you want to encounter us. So again, may we be
0: candidates
1: postured in position for you to work miraculously in and through our lives for our co-workers, maybe family members, maybe neighbors. God, birth your miraculous through us to the world around us. With every head bowed and eye closed, We've been talking this morning about miracles and God's supernatural ability. Listen, I believe that God's just as God did a miracle in Joseph and Mary. So I believe he's still doing miracles today, friends. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you need a miracle. You need you need God to bring his dynamic supernatural work in your life. Maybe it's in relation to your finances. Maybe it's in relation to a a broken marriage or a broken family relationship. Maybe it's a, a physical need. Maybe a place of, of cancer. Or maybe a back problem. I, I, I don't know what it might be, but if you're in a place today where you would just say, man, I... I need God's supernatural provision in this area of my life. I just want to agree with you this morning. For what I'm confident of, God's still doing today. And Luke one thirty seven says, All things are possible with God. That's the God we serve, folks. So if that's you this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here presently, if you just say, hey, I'm in a place where I need a miracle today. Would you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray with you really quick. Lord, wow, a lot of hands across this building. Lord, they're not raising their hand to me. They're raising their hand to you, to the God who's able. Lord, this morning I simply partner my faith with them. God, what I'm confident of is is, what you did you're still doing. You're the God of the miraculous. So, God, I don't know their situation, their specific need. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe it's a a physical need. Maybe it's a relational need. God, whatever it is. Lord, I ask, Lord, there today that you would bring your power, your provision, your peace. God, reveal your greatness in their lives and in that situation. And, Lord, we'll be careful. To give you the thanks. And to give you all glory and honor. So we
0: pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church. Our service times, ministry opportunities, directions and more. Visit us at gracecovenant.org.